It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. connection so we talked about really good things like the food pyramid i don't even think the food pyramid exists anymore does it or it's been altered i mean i think it's still around but yeah i could not tell you what it looks like other than it might be vaguely like this it's still the pyramid (laughs) (laughs) it is hopefully still a pyramid shape but i can't confirm or deny i feel like at the top they did like fats oils and sweets yeah it's like the like that's usually yeah, usually, yeah. yeah it's like at least yeah once upon a time you know, I was like fat oils and then it's like then like meats or meats. whatever like red meats and stuff and then fruits and vegetables carbs? and then I'm pretty sure I mean I don't know once upon a time basically it was like the bottom thing was carbs 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 it was the delicious stuff yeah, yeah. I don't even, I don't remember the food pyramid <laughs> wasn't it the bottom was fruits and veggies. It, or was it carbs? I like in the back of my head. Like I think th- I feel like that might have been one of the things that changed. Like I feel like they yeah. they they oscillated at one point. They were like, it's like oh, the most important thing is fruits and veggies, and then uh, then like a Wonder Bread was like, oh, hand them a sack with a dollar sign on it, yeah. and they were like, oh, actually, bread specifically Wonder Bread is the most important meal of the day. Did you eat Wonder Bread as a kid? Do you remember? I think some, um, probably. That's all we had, and now that I look back on it, it's like I don't like Wonder Bread. <laughs> it's not good. But yeah, I remember that. And the other thing was that we had only block cheese. And I wanted Velveeta singles so bad. <laughs> and then I finally was able to purchase food for myself. And I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> and now I only buy block cheese. Well, it's good. Probably you're, you're like, oh, well, you know, the singles, that's what you put on cheeseburgers. So, you know, yeah. clearly, you know, if it works there, it's going to work just they fine were, on its own. There was something... St- very satisfying about taking the the plastic wrap off the cheese. Also, it's probably I think it's also that uh, not realizing that Velveeta singles are not cheese. It's not at all. Like I don't even know what it is. I th- it's it's a cheese product. Like it's legally <laughs> same with like Kraft singles. Like legally, like some of this stuff they legally cannot call it cheese. It's cheese product. Yeah, like they because of like the specifically of how. Like how cheese is made, like the is different than the way that they make like craft singles. Like, <laughs> like Pringles are actually that same thing. Pringles, like, yeah, Pringles are not. They're a lot potato snacks. They're, they're called potato crisps. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But they still have potato in them, though, don't they? They're made with potato product. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cheese products sound revolting. Now that that's I think what, about that's it. That's why they hide it in like that's like on like craft singles, it's you know, it's the blue wrapping yeah. and then it's like cheese product. Off like trans, translucent off blue, like at the bottom say like cheese product because they're like, well we have we technically have to put it on the bag, but we're going to make it as like Little. small as possible and really emphasize yeah. the cheese looking of it all. Right. Oh. Yeah, I'm even <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you go to you go to deep dive on any of this stuff, like you the the world just falls uh-huh. to pieces and it's like mm-hmm. There was a video somebody posted yesterday about um, a scientist taking a piece of hot dog under a microscope. Now, I don't eat hot dogs anyway, <laughs> but this would have done it if I did. I cannot show that to my kids because that's one of the things that they will eat, which is disgusting. But there was like something moving in it. It's like, oh. Also, well, the Richard Jenny, the comedian, used to have a routine about like how it's like saying like you know like the FDA like recently said like there's any they they have an acceptable level of rat droppings allowed in hot dog oh like in your gosh. like hot dog factories. It's like now to me any, any amount <laughs> is an unacceptable yes, amount. Yes, it's. Well, and that nobody really knows what a hot dog is anyway, where it comes from. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, at its most... Well, I mean, like, I mean, I think it's, like, it's similar to sausage, but, like, like, sausage at least is the, it's the, sausage is the everything we didn't use, like, for elsewhere, so we're just gonna kind of cram it all in here. It's like, I don't know where hot dogs become distinct, and I, again, I don't want to know. Do you eat hot dogs? Not all. I mean, 
like at a baseball game or yeah, something. Yeah, like, like a ballpark yeah. frank, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. And, and even then, I'll usually, oftentimes, I'll go for the brat just because it's... Trust. Juicy. Well, it's juicy. It's like it's... Yes, I love it's, 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 a, it's a different taste. It's yeah. just like... Yeah. What do, you like, put, what do you put on your brats? Do you do mustard? I'm not a mustard guy. Not mustard? Yeah. What do you do on yours, Beth? Uh, on my brats, yeah. mustard, uh, a Like hot mustard? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hot mustard, a little bit of ketchup. Um, not a ton of ketchup, it's more about the mustard than the brats. The mustard takes the lead. Yeah. Takes the cheese, if you will. Ah, we just circled back yeah. to the cheese. <laughs> takes the cheese product. <laughs> the mouse takes the cheese, right? I don't know. <laughs> Hi, how the dairy? Now I can't think of the song. This is where my brain is today. I apologize. This is from. Well, see, now I'm trying to think. Farmer in the Dell. Yeah, Farmer in the Dell. Because it's like the mouse takes the cheese. The mouse takes the cheese. Hi, how the dairy? I think maybe it is that. I think it's the mouse takes the cheese. And then the cat chases the mice. There's a whole saga, and then the lady swallows the spider or something like that. It's 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 like one of those things. Like it's like the the bump on the log and the and yeah the hole in the log bump on the hole in the log like. Where it's like, it just kind of, it's this, uh, like, Ouroboros thing where you just, like, you just keep following it down to the bottom, and it's like, and then there's a, an, another bump on the log, mm-hmm. and then that is the thing, and then it's turtles all the way down. Right, and then you have to figure out what comes next, and all of the <laughs> yeah. garbage. I don't. Those songs drive me insane. There's enough <laughs> of life to remember. So, hi, Brian Horn. Hello. How are you? I'm good, Thanks how are you? talking cheese and hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I must be hungry. <laughs> I mean, it's it's almost eleven thirty. Like it's, it's, it's getting true. that I know, time. But I just had breakfast. So I did know. I. On the other hand, food. <laughs> favorite. Here we go. First question for you. Uh, favorite restaurant in town. Ooh. I know. Let's say that somebody's coming out of town, and you want to take them somewhere. You're like, this place is amazing. I know. I threw a hard one at you. First off, I'm sorry. Okay, I need to like. <clears throat> I need to like Do you need get a my category. Like, I mean, that would probably mean okay. if, if you want to narrow it down that way. But I'm just so, also trying to do just like my mental map. Like, what does Columbus look like? <laughs> it's like this. <clears throat> it's like where where are things? Where are things? Um, casual dining. So like you wouldn't dress up. Just somewhere casual. Okay. Um, yeah. Of course, you don't really have to dress up at a lot of places. McDonald's. What is uh... You can pull an easy out and say North Market. I always do that. I've been there like once, Mm. twice, I think. It was like a couple times, and that was like when I was doing stuff with CCT back when they were at Park Street. So you could walk over. Um... I know. This is hard. We can come back to it. It's the thing that always happens if you're like, what's your favorite movie? I don't know. What is movies? a movie? What's a movie? <laughs> People? Yeah. I'm not going to ask you that. A wedding? What's a wedding? It's a prehistoric ritual where everybody promises fidelity forever, which is the most horrifying word I've ever heard, which is followed by a honeymoon where suddenly you realize he's saddled with a nut and want to kill me, which he should. Company, right? Yep. <laughs> Thank you all, but I'm not that. getting married today. I, I have listened to that so many times. I'm like, I couldn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I can do tongue twisters, but that one just seems daunting. Yeah, it's... It's a lot, and Just, only because I'm a I'm a, a loser. You're not a loser, because I do the same a, a thing. nerd. Just, fine, a nerd. I just don't do the fast ones, but I'm the same nerd level as you. Is, do, do you think that Stephen Sondheim hated women? Because there's a lot of challenges that he gives there, female singers, seemingly male singers. There's a there's a Michael Ball. Like, it was like there was like Sondheim at Barbican Hall or something mm-hmm. like that. There's like a some album they did in the '90s. But Michael Ball is doing, like, in between a couple songs, he's like, it's like, Sondheim is so weird, because, like, in all Sondheim shows, like, the men carry the show, mm-hmm. but the women get all the best songs. They really do. And so then he used that as all, like, the segment's like, but tonight, we're taking one back, and he starts doing Broadway, baby. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and it's pretty good. It's what fun. show is that from? Follies. I don't know Follies. It's... And every time I hear it, I hear, damn, the Follies. <laughs> I can think of from Sunday the Park. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the Folly Follies is an, it's an interesting show. Like, it, I mean, I it, again, I mean, it's it's Sondheim, so of course the songs are, by and large, good. Like, my go-to recording for that is actually the, like, the 1985 concert recording mm-hmm. that they did with, like, Mandy Patinkin, mm-hmm. Carol Burnett does I'm Still Here. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, like, oh, who's, like, I think it's Lee Remick 
is Phyllis. Mandy Patinkin is like it's Mandy Patinkin, uh, Barbara Cook, George okay. Hearn are like the four yeah. big four. Um, but they've got like it's like a Comden and Green. Like, dude, there's like a there's like this like the, in early on in the show there's like a medley of like old but some of the old vaudeville acts like doing their like reunion things, which culminates in Broadway Baby. Yeah. Um, but like the first one is a duet. Like, Rain is like listen to the rain. You can on. play it. <laughs> Something like that. It's it, it, there, there's some nice songs in there, um, yeah. but it's like Comden and Green, and I can't remember who the middle one is. But it's like it was like a French person, a French actress. French person. The name is just eluding me right now. But um, an actual person, like like the yeah, an act, like the actress is is French. I, um, I want to say it's a Givon something, but I can't. I don't know if I'm mixing it up with that's who the original Broadway cast did. But anyway, yeah. um, but then the medley culminates in Broadway Baby, and in the concert, it's Elaine Stritch, who obviously just Elaine Stritch is all over the place mm-hmm. with the song, and mm-hmm. it is so good. Let's jump from the challenging restaurant question to who is your favorite Broadway performer? Ooh, performer. Hmm. Yeah, and you can you can do. Male or female, and separate those if that makes it easier. Because you listen to a lot of Broadway. Yeah, you're pretty well versed. Let's go female. Female. Yeah. Um, now you got to narrow that down. I mean, like, yeah. I feel like offhand, I just got to go with Audra. Yeah. Like it's just. Yeah. Because she's just so. I mean, she's so versatile. Like that's the thing. It's like. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I I I always say like she's like the Meryl Streep of Broadway. Yeah. Where it's just like you're just like. Give her whatever, and she just dives into it. Like I remember watching the Colbert Report years ago when she was doing that Billie Holiday play, oh, and like yeah. she did the performance. I'm just like, it's like I I remember her like listening to like like I think the, my first exposure to her was the Carousel revival. Oh gosh! And at the time, I didn't I didn't reckon, like I didn't place like yeah. connect the name. Like I just knew like the from the recording, and then obviously then like the first time I like thought of her like Audra McDonald is ragtime. ragtime. That's right. And then yeah. like you, like sometime later going back and like. Listening to it on my iPod, like the the artist going by, it's like Audra McDonald. I'm like, wait, what? Ben, do you know Audra McDonald? Uh, I've heard the name. Okay, <clears throat> I remember. So Doug, my husband, is not huge Broadway. He is very kind to me and deals with it. But I remember watching the um, James Corden Broadway, like karaoke in the car oh, type yeah, yeah. thing, and she was in there. He literally just stopped and was like. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> it's like aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like that's there's, Audrey a, there's a reason. Like every time Audra McDonald does a show, she gets a Tony for it because you're just like she just opens <laughs> her mouth. Yeah, that's all she does. I like that was the thing with the, with the Billie Holiday like clip that she did, like just performing live on the Colbert Report, which is like she like just had the physicality and just the voice mm-hmm. is like so different. Like as like I I'm I'm not a super well versed in Billie Holiday mm-hmm. like specifically, but it's like it's like I would assume that's probably somewhat close to what she sounds like yeah so i'm like i'll just assume regardless it's Mm -hmm. drastically different than what she sounds like doing ragtime or carousel or who was she in carousel though uh carrie okay the friend yeah yeah so i was gonna because i think julie jordan is like but no because she's the one who sings julie jordan you're a queer one julie jordan i feel bad about carousel because i love the music and it's a horrific plot yeah Yeah, just, I like Mr. Snow. The song. I love that song. Yeah. And especially, again, especially like Audra singing it, just that. Mm-hmm. It's just like... And then the, then there's the plot. He yeah. hits me. It's okay. <laughs> what? And he dies. And then he comes back as a ghost. And the daughter recognizes him because he slaps her. Yes. And then she's like, it felt like a kiss. <laughs> I see a lot of issues with that. Yeah. Clams, clams, clams. <laughs> 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 Twitter feed. There's oh, I'll have to find this for you. There was a whole Twitter feed of like this is the entire plot, and it. it sh- I, I I feel like I might maybe I've seen I'm it, sure but like you've seen I it. love that. <laughs> Just <laughs> the middle goes clams, clams, clams. Yeah, because I saw one of Ariel Knight's clam bake, and I feel like Sondheim talks a bit like mentions like that song part because he talks about like uh like Carousel was like he cried like as a kid went watching it like mm. and like I can't remember like maybe it's like. Around the time we realized, kind of like, but some words like basically everyone leaves and there's just like this one character left alone on stage. It was like mm-hmm. that's what got him. Like, mm-hmm. um, I love finishing the half. 
Yeah, like, um, but, uh, it's, but he, I think, but he also talks about, like, yeah, it's real, like, the weird nameless clam bake. You're, you're having all this, like, heavy, dark stuff, yeah. and you just have to kind of throw in, like, what a real nice clam bake oh, that was. that was delicious clams. <laughs> and everybody's, like, lounging. Yeah. I don't, know. But again, the music from that show is so good. Yeah, and, like, that's the, that's the biggest problem, like, can we can we just can we just do the songs just and just ignore songs. everything else? Like just a co- like yeah, just do a concert, just concert, and then be fine. I would do that. I would be Carrie, not yes. the not the murderess, but <laughs> yes, I'm a little old for that role. Probably old for both roles because she's supposed to be young, twenties, isn't she? I don't know. Probably. Clams, 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 clams. <laughs> Everybody. So, well, the reason that I wanted you to come on, and I'm excited to hear about this because. You've been working really hard for a really long time. <laughs> you wrote a musical. I did. A full-length musical. I did. Called Second to Sherlock. I did. And now Jebby Award winning. <gasps> did you get a Jebby before? Have you had him? Oh, uh, yeah. For supporting actor for How to Succeed. Okay. I played Frump. Frump. Bugged Frump. Huh. I never saw that show. It was fun. I mean, I, I thought it was really fun. It's a funny show, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, that should be. It's a, it's, it's a great script. And, like... And the thing where it's like, you know, you, you would think with a song, like, a secretary is just a toy, like, thing where you're like, oh, that seems like a but it's also, it's like, but the whole show, but the whole point is that it's making fun of it. It's the whole point is that, like, all of the, it's, the joke is that all of these guys are, are misogynist jerks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> clams, 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 clams. <laughs> so, when did this start? Like, when was the beginning of Second to Sherlock? How many years ago was this now? I think Twelve. 12 years. Yeah. Holy crap. Like, the, I mean, the, the tough part in just in talking about it is that, you know, I say 12 years, but there's also like a five year gap in the okay. middle there where yeah. I did not touch it. Yeah. Um, which honestly I think is for its best because working on stuff in the meanwhile, I think there, there's a lot of stuff I, I learned because mm-hmm. I was working with Dave Hammond on a Batman musical and like, which honestly is a score, there's a lot of music there that I'm really proud of. Yeah. Um, but it's in writing that, like, I feel like I learned a lot. Like, okay. especially because that falls much more, I mean, very heavily, like, influenced by, like, like, I mean, it's like the, bi- the big, mm-hmm. the big epic shows, yeah. like, to get that, that grandiose scale. And it's like, we, and Dave and I have talked, like, if we ever, like, did, like, a, it's like, ever tried to, like, do a production, like, we'd have to do it pretty much as a concert. Like, mm-hmm. one, because it's going to be a lot easier to pull off. Yeah. And also, it'd just be nice, like, because I, like, it's like then, just get an orchestra together, mm-hmm. have them do it, and have the actors sing, and not worry about like a bunch of costumes and props right. and stunts and stuff. Jeez. But like, okay, wait. So you wrote a musical about Batman? Yeah, with Dave. Yep. I didn't know this story. Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, it was. How did I miss that? That was literally how I met Dave. <laughs> um, was I did a show in in Dublin with Emerald City Players, uh-huh. and you know that's where I met, and I did it with uh, you know Kristen Yarger. Um, she was a friend of mine from high school, and she's okay. actually the one who recommended I audition. But it's through that show that's also how I met Chris Johnson. Okay. And at this at that time, Chris and Kristen were doing a like a Sherlock Holmes, like the Stephen Deeds mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes play okay. at Emerald City, like right on the time we were starting rehearsal. So I went to go see that, mm-hmm. and Dave was Sherlock Holmes. Um, and after the show, like during the meet and greet, like like Dave's like, you know. Chris is like, Dave, this is Brian. He's like, I'm going to meet you. It's like, so Chris tells me you write music. I'm working on a Batman musical. He's <laughs> like, would you? And like, I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And like, we didn't really talk a lot, like, yeah. for like several I mean, several months. I just didn't really just, cross yeah. paths. Um, then we we did Ragtime together. At least we started doing mm-hmm. Ragtime together. He had to drop out partway through. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, then we, we, we worked together and... and since then, quite a bit, and I think it was, I think it was especially going, in, like, in t- 2011, going into 2012, when we really started, like, actually sitting down, like, really talking about it, and wow. he, he had, like, a, like, he had, like, a draft of the, like, a, of a rough script written. Okay. Okay. So, pretty much a lot of that came into, like, here are the places where I would, I'm having ideas for songs, and, like, mm-hmm. he had, like, some, like, to go, like, lyrics kind of set up. Yeah. Um, to which, in some cases, I... I like there's like there's like the opening number that like the ver- the verses I pretty much largely just left them at like the lyrics as is like yeah. there's the core the chorus around it was all me, 
but like the, the lyrics and then do you remember any of it um we put we selfishly put you in front of the piano so that you could just something like that okay. um but like the the moment to the, the to me what i felt was the moment of serendipity was so like i talked to dave your batman musical and so every now and then i just gotta sit at the piano and be like oh you know in my mind, knowing nothing about, like, the, what the plot was. Or, and at some point, like, I just, like, like, did, like, just, like, plunked this out. Just... I was like, that's just a chord <laughs> progression I like. And then... And then it turns into a song. Well, so what happened was... Dave, simultaneously, like, we, like, years later, he had this melody for one of the songs mm-hmm. that, like, sort of was the act one finale. And at some point, we, like, he was singing it, and at the same time, I was, like, started plunking out. And it was like... Da, 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 da. I'll just da, 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 and I was like doing that. And I was like, "Whoa, we didn't plan that." Like That's that was amazing. we didn't like that was complete. And it was like yeah. that, and like that was one like we have to do this. Yeah, like, we have to we have to at least do a draft. Like we have to do something. And we ended up we I think we did we did like three readings. Okay. Um, it was like two in twenty thirteen, and then one in 2014 hmm. and the 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 very first one which was like a, a table read like at at the time i was living in westerville mm-hmm. for my senior for a senior year mm-hmm. and so I had you know just people sitting around on the furniture mm-hmm. <laughs> with the piano and it was like and it was like four hours long and most of act two did not have music in it yet <laughs> Like, I had written some songs, but like, it was a thing where it's like, it was just a very, very, very long. long show. And I, yeah. I don't know how much we've truncated the show at this point. Like, I, I still think we were, I still think we had hit three hours, like, at the, by, at the third read. And, but luckily at that point, like, we were down to, we had a lot more of the music written. Yeah. And, yeah. St- and we, again, we haven't really gone back to it much in the last few years. But, like, I think we both, like, would, like... Still plenty of ways to, like, truncate mm-hmm. and, like, concise, like, and Dave, like, I think Dave is, like, he's looked at the script and, like, been thinking about places, like, here's where we can streamline, mm-hmm. excuse me, and really get that flowing, but we just haven't really sat down to talk about oh, it in a, in a while. So yours, where did the idea come from for Second to Sherlock? For Second to Sherlock. It came, it came where all the best ideas do, which is, uh... Toilet. Sitting on the, no, sitting, there's literally <laughs> an otter, because I was an Otterbine singer yeah. at the time, and yeah. so... I think this was probably like before rehearsal one point where I went church of the master and I was mm-hmm. just sitting there and I'm, I do what the best writers do. I get my phone out and I Google public domain books because <laughs> I'm like, I want to write it. Like I, like I, there's a couple of shows I had written in high school and stuff, mm-hmm. like one with a friend, one of my own. And I was like, I want to write and like get started on a new thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but coming up with ideas is hard. So if I <laughs> just look what's a public domain book and just do an adaptation of that. And like, I saw Sherlock Holmes and I was yeah. like, Okay, and then I like Sherlock Holmes musical, and there's like a musical called Baker Street. Hmm. That's like, a, and so I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to like just do a straight Holmes adaptation. And somehow the synapses in my brain fired in just the right way. That's like, world's greatest detective implies the existence of world's second greatest detective. <laughs> and I was just like sat there like, <gasps> epiphany. And yeah, so then like over the course of, uh, I think it was like a few weeks that I was like, okay, like I. I in, especially in like early stages of writing, mm-hmm. I tend to I, I may I like to make what like I'll for lack of better words I'll call like vibe playlists where it's okay. like to kind of because like, I'll have like different songs like whether whether songs or musicals or just like other mm-hmm. songs I'm like this kind of is like the trying to like almost outline like the song structure mm-hmm. it's like this is kind of the vibe I'm going for okay. in this moment. and it's like to get a and then sometimes I just fall into the trap of. I just like listening to this playlist. Yeah. <laughs> Not actually writing, yeah. but like I can kind of imagine sort of how this right. story structure would go. But so like I think I kind of did that and like I plunked out a little bit of music like um, and I'll, I'll actually use this as the opportunity for yeah. to give everyone a little music is like the evolution of some of the music. So yeah. one of the first things like I wrote was like, you know, the world, world's greatest detective and then like simultaneously world's second greatest detective it was yeah. just like, um, and like, didn't really, it's like, and part of the challenge was like, 
I don't really know how to open this show. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, like it's a very weird thing. And mm-hmm. like, well, I'll just do the the easy thing, which is just have have the chorus come in and sing about you know the world's greatest detective, and then have Calloway come in and sing world's second greatest detective. And originally, like from the beginning, like the, the Westminster Chimes were there. Then, uh, but then it all came to you. When I was I was looking over it last night, I'm like, I was like, I was just trying to go for like the it was like a contemporary feel, and I was like, this is songs for a new world. Like, that's just like, um, it's about one moment, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, and so, but yeah, so you have the the you know. But it was like it had a different like kind of that pulse to it. Yeah, and then you know. Sometime after that, I just abandoned the project for five years because I was just like, eh, because the, the real challenge was like, there was like the mystery at the core of them. Like, I have like some ideas, like some sort of murder or whatever, mm-hmm. and like the solving. And like at some point, it'd be like, okay, and then in act two, like, or near the end of act one, like he meets Moriarty, and Moriarty basically is like, hey, kill Sherlock Holmes for me. And he's mm-hmm. like, okay. And like the end of the end of act one would be like the, like the big dramatic point is like right before he possibly kills Sherlock Holmes, and like that we, you know, blackout intermission and then like act two would basically be like Holmes is dead like you know um and Calloway ends up going to prison for mm-hmm. the murder of Sherlock Holmes and it all culminates you know on, at the gallows where essentially it all just turns out you know that he and Holmes worked together basically faked his death mm-hmm. in order to basically to uh lure out Moriarty and the whoever the other bad guy is um and it was like, okay, that's a vague idea. And then I was just like, but I don't know what to do with that. Mm. Like, that's the mysteries are hard. Yeah. Mysteries are hard. Did you, how do you begin? I'm like, did you write down a storyline? Is that where it started? And then. I mean, I didn't really write down a lot storyline. I mean, there's, there's a lot of like, there was some like of jotting down like some vague ideas, but then there's a lot that just like just kept in my brain, which is probably itself a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but, um,. But so it was like I kind of left it for yeah. five years, yeah. and then I came back to it and was like, I want you know, going to do some research. And I read this book, Murder in the Victorian Age, that mm-hmm. is exactly what it sounds like. It's just about like crime mm-hmm. and in the Victorian era, and it's sort of like it's almost like the just talking about like the original true crime, mm-hmm. where it's like he was, you know, at the in the in the mid eighteen hundreds, you know, true crime was like. You know, the sensationalist reporting on, yeah. oh, this this terrible crime that's happened mm-hmm. and stuff. But in the middle of the book, we get to a chapter on Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. And I'm just reading that. I'm like, wait a minute. The unsolvable case. Mm-hmm. And I think there's even a reference. Like, there's a, have been, like, Sherlock Holmes stories or, like, adaptations that, like, mm-hmm. about, involve, like, him investigating Jack the Ripper. But I was just like, it's like, the, the case that Holmes couldn't solve. So, of course, that's the case he would take mm-hmm. on is Jack the Ripper. And, like, from there, things started to fall into yeah. place. Um, it still took a while before the, even the mystery around that mm-hmm. fell into place. And that was even just pretty much as I was writing the script. <laughs> Cause, um, so I basically, so I did that and I started Johnny Donnie's and I started working on the songs. And like the original opening scene in the new draft was this guy comes in, he's like, you know, Mr. Holmes looking for Sherlock Holmes. And it's like, Cal, he's like, not Holmes, but I am this. Mm-hmm. And this was just a moment of pure, just good luck mm-hmm. of just the, 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 fortuity of just like when the brain just is like what about this because i at the time like i sometimes i have a, i had like a notepad like next to my bed and like yeah. i was sitting you know sitting in bed before i went to sleep just like i don't know but and like i just wrote it like just you know opening numbers like this is callaway making his pitch mm-hmm. he's callaway making his pitch to this guy and just through the whatever grace like made this lyric pop into my mind was the opening line the uh we all agree that no one likes the irish and I was like, "That's it. That's the show." It's <clears throat> like it that's the that's mm-hmm. the tone. I was like, "I was like, cause I, it's like, I'm like the the first lyric of the first song like is so important because mm-hmm. that's like I mean it's on time and it's like finishing the hat book talks about how it's like yeah. it's like the opening number is the most important song in the show. Mm-hmm. It's like and by extension the first line of the first song is the most important line in the show. And I was like, yeah. it's like having that line like really set like okay this is the this is like the style the comedy mm-hmm. of the show is like that sort of thing. Um. But like over the next little while, I was I wrote 
this the opening number the at the time opening number a little glory and in the middle of it you know there's the section that's still in the show which is the here's pal john watson where or, and then introducing um uh, his his watson john thompson mm-hmm. um but as i'm writing it i'm like Sherlock has the skill He has what it takes Cause like I still had that in there And I wanted to make sure that I got that in the show The World's Best Detective The And then just had him do the second verse as well Like the You know the uh, The World's Second Greatest Detective thing Lead into that And it was like part But still all just part of this It's just It was essentially like the the Like a second bridge In this number Yeah Um And so I wrote the first draft, and the the thing that happened in the first draft, I wrote, I think I finished two songs, like A Little Glory mm-hmm. and then Home Again, which also was a fragment of the the way back when. I was like, I was like, all I had for like, I was like, yeah, okay, you have our 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 not Holmes and Watson, and I was like, for some reason, just this vamp like. <laughs> song to go with it but mm-hmm. i was like that that feels right for a vamp yeah and then that so that was the second song i wrote was the was like well, actually even then the me- the original melody was like much simpler and i was and i was like i'll just do that like because i i'm just gonna write a song here and it and like, the original song was like basically like thompson like this this all sucks. I don't like doing this yeah. anymore. Like, and the cow would be like, "No, no, no, stick around. I swear it'll pay. It'll pay off." And so I did that, and then I started writing the third song, which is after like the first Ripper murder, mm-hmm. like Calloway. You know, Giselle basically you know, tells him off mm-hmm. and leaves, and then Calloway has this, like the, the like a little bit of a come to Jesus moment. And it was a song called like for like for Marie, where it'd be like you know. But then the punchline is the do it for do it for Marie and a little bit for me. Yeah. But I like I, I ended up finishing a, a draft of that song like I think the second draft, but like it just never totally felt right, even though it stayed there for two table reads. Jeez. Um, but what do you when you do a table read? Is that scary i would assume a little bit yeah. i mean it, especially with sherlock it was it was a little easier because i'd already done multiple table reads of the batman musical right. so i mean obviously here is even more nerve-wracking because it's all me like it's all stuff i wrote mm-hmm. and entirely like fresh new stuff yeah. and so it's that first reading is the the first reading is the hardest just mm-hmm. because like it's completely untested right but then the, the readings after that got a little better, especially because also the show got better. Yeah. Um, and But it was what happened. So the first draft, like, I got halfway through that former Marie song, and I was mm-hmm. just like, this is going to take too long. Like, this is like, I will never finish a show at this rate. So basically from there, I started, I just kept writing the script, and every time I got to a place where I'm like, there's probably should be a song here, I would maybe have a title, maybe just have, like, a, a placeholder, like, this is what the song is about mm-hmm. title. But then I would put, like, in, like, bold italic underline just to denote, like, this is not part of the script. Say, this is where, this is the gist of what, whatever song mm-hmm. goes here, this is what it's going to be about. Yeah. We'll figure it out later. And some of some of those placeholders were still existed in the script, I think, up through at least the second table read. Wow. Um, just, but, like, so it's like I went to the first draft just writing a version of the script, like, extremely short, mm-hmm. like, but just to get something on paper. Right. And then, after that, like, I... I Took a little time off, like, like a, at least like a week or two mm-hmm. away from the script just to like set it aside. So then when I can go back to my brain, can immediately be like, that doesn't work. Yeah. That sucks. Because <laughs> it's, it's got to be so hard to self-edit. Honestly, that's the easier part. Really? The hard, like the hard part is, is writing the new thing, especially because, because it's, you have to get that, the critical part to shut up long yeah. enough to put the words down. Right. But as soon as you get the words down... Then the then the the editing break him and like crack us up. It's like all right, all right. Here's what you do. Okay, well that the, that rhyme is a little forced. Uh, what if we change this word to that word? All yeah. right. Oh, 
Uh, should, we, should we cut this line? Still good, still good. Uh, did you send it to anybody while it was in draft form, or did you just wait for table reads? Mostly? I just waited for table read. Okay. Uh, especially the first time around, for the yeah. very first one. Um, and so... But so I finished that first draft, and I came back in the second draft, and I filled in a lot of the songs mm-hmm. in the second draft. Like, I finished that for Marie, uh, like the original version of Something for Something... I mean, a lot of it. There was a there was another song that originally had set in like after something for something, where it's basically like them questioning Madam, and it's like her giving these like extremely long winded like mm-hmm. unhelpful answers, and then it would like intercut like between Giselle doing her own investigation, mm-hmm. and it's like I, I was like ah uh, this this is kind of this is gonna be complicated. I'll come back to it later. Right. And but so got to you know in the second draft and it's like okay third draft and then after this third draft I'm gonna do a reading mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's like by the by the third draft I had like a the very initial finale I think well, I could definitely by that point I'd had the act one finale written and and, that, and it's interesting too like the how in writing like how music affects the way that a song works because yeah. The Ackman finale, like, originally, like, in my, like, in my mind, like, what I initially, like, started doing was, like, you know. Like, something like that, or it's, like, this, like, that, like, it's, like, because I knew I wanted that pulse. I wanted that, like, that, like, frenetic, frenetic yeah. thing, because it's, like, yeah. this is a guy t- literally talking another character off of a ledge. Right. And, and it's, like, and I started doing that, and then, like, a day later, I sat down at the piano again, and I was just, like. That's it. And it's like the same melody, but different accompaniment. Yeah. Like, but that has. And it's like, and that kind of is that, right. like that, that ostinato that just keeps you going through so much of the song, right up until the chorus when it's. It's like, but it's that, but there, by that, by that point, it's like a release because, especially, right. the, one of the one of the valuable lessons I learning from Stephen Sondheim, like studying his stuff, is the is. It's like pedal tones, but especially what I'd say is like the 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 pedal tone like fifth, like the five chord, like in music where basically like where it's like if you go off the circle of fifths, like the five the five is the last chord before you resolve to one. So like, but like if you listen to Sondheim, there's a lot of times like and Weekend of the Country is the one that I especially go to is like the prime example of how he does that is the it's like you know, where's a week in the country where oh yeah. Whereas the 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 bass is constantly holding that E flat, waiting yeah. to get to go back to the Resolve, A. Yeah. But it's like, but I'm doing that. But it's like where you're, so you're just waiting, yeah. and, it's, and it's so much dramatic tension you can get out of that. And so when on the brink, there's that point where he's like, a you can something just like me. And I think it's like seven bars of doing this. And it's like so. Then when you yeah. land on the course, you're like. Yeah. And it's like that's one of the my it's it's a it's a very easy tool but it but it works. Yeah. <laughs> but it's and it's those kind of things that like that's how music really changes. But so what the other change though, so but going back to World's Greatest Detective in a minute for a mm-hmm. minute of was like I was like was like it's like ah, you know, I don't you know, a little glory, the way it is it's not working because yeah. it's just this one guy yeah. picked And so then I was like, Well, I want to get World's Greatest Detective back in there. It's like but I don't want to just do the And then at some point, the rhythm came like that. It's like much more of a march. And it's like, okay, there we go. That's how this opening works. And then from there, it goes into the... the, the so it goes from the march to the jig. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that even, like, Abel's with the form, eventually when I... Because I struggled for a while, like, there's the Holmes, like, a Watson number towards the end of Act 1... Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what to do here. And when I got, when I finally had the idea, like, oh, do just do a reprise of Home Again. The yeah. if if Home Again is the Calloway Thompson like pal duet, then obviously you got a reprise it for Holmes and Watson. Right. And so and so then it came. I was like, oh, just do that. And even especially, you can hear it in the course that. Like that same rhythm uh-huh. is just there, and it's like, 
It's like these those little things that you. It's like that just happen like over time. You just like when you spend enough time immersed in the material, every like the 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 just the pool starts to be like. It's like be, you 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 eventually you find you develop that language that yeah. you might not consciously be aware of, but it's like this feels right. This feels like mm-hmm. this makes sense to use here. How did it feel? Because um, I did see your concert version, if you will. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the, the, the stage reading. Central or North? One of the yeah, Westerville Central through yeah, in twenty eight August twenty eighteen. Okay, yeah, because I remember it was pre COVID <clears throat> for sure. Um, <laughs> how did? Did you cast that? Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of combo between me and Brandon because his first time was like we you know we had done a table read in like May okay. and like we were hoping like to try to do some sort of staged reading later that year and uh, <laughs> and basically Derek Bernard was like sorry <laughs> this is this is Mrs. Potts the Roomba she has a mind of her own. She keeps me humble because if I ramble too much, then she can <laughs> she can clean up the bullshit that I'm spewing. Um, but it was yeah, we had Derek Menard at the he was like a last minute fill in for Watson yeah. at the table read, and he was like basically he's like hey you know I can get you in at Westerville Central mm-hmm. like for like a few days like Friday and Saturday yeah. read and then Wednesday and Thursday like kind of blocking rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so Brandon and I we. We, we had talked it over and we were like, okay, who do we... And we had, like, some of the people we had done at the... At that May table read, like, I think at that point we had gotten Davis Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Davis Holmes and... Like, Davis Holmes and Stewart as Koshkin. Like, mm-hmm. like especially once we got to that point, like, from that point on, like, even even up to the Imagine production, mm-hmm. we were basically like, are there... Basically, we were like, are there any roles that we want to... That we, like... And it's like we, we, we like we don't really want to precast the right. the leads just to make sure they leave those options. Yeah. But it's like Holmes and Koshkin were the two characters. Like that was like, well, Dave and Stewart like are just so perfect for those roles. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we I can't imagine anyone else doing it better. Yeah. And like they're just so, I mean, because they they're both so good in those mm-hmm. roles. Like they and that also makes it easy in doing rewrites because you're like, well, I know who I'm writing for, right. and I know what they can do. And I, I if and being able to yeah. hear a line in somebody's voice—that's what helps I wonder so much. Yeah, <clears throat> because it's—I mean, I, I could now only think of Chris Rusin. Oh yeah, and that was a similar thing where it's like, yeah. like we we had just but like he came in and we were like, and we, he just still like was just like miles away. Like he 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 got the character. Mm-hmm. He knew how it worked. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. like, and yeah, doing rewrites is like being able to tell like okay, Chris Rusin like, I mean, because and that also is part of why we did like. With Imagine the mm-hmm. production, we we cast it in August, and then we we did a few rehears like a couple of weeks of rehearsals, and then did like a, a table read, mm-hmm. and then took a month off before we actually jumped into blocking rehearsals. So essentially, we did a table read so we could see where the show was, yeah. do rewrites, and see basically hear how the show is going to sound with the cast we have. Mm-hmm. Did you have to rewrite a lot for this? I mean, between table read and uh, rehe- and like actual rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Somewhat, um, not nothing, nothing. I'd say like majorly substantial. Like I don't, not like cutting songs or mm-hmm. anything. Um, I think my my, I think my favorite thing that changed between rehearsal between table read and rehearsal was a brand, was actually a Brandon suggestion. Um, is in my favorite song in the show is "Sad Life." Mm. Um, just say it's. It's what I'm really just proud of, like, from a storytelling perspective, because it's a thing where she's basically just this self, like, quasi self-contained narrative that's, like, basically a character just admitting, like, yeah, I was, I was working behind the scenes the whole time with these guys. I was an accomplice. And then, and, like, having that build of both, like, explain, basically kind of really explain, like, spelling out the rest of the plot, like, Mm -hmm. just make very clear, this is what's going on, like, this is what's going on. It kind of really doesn't matter at this point, because Mm -hmm. the mystery stops mattering halfway through act two right honestly the mystery stops mattering at the end of act one Mm -hmm. but um like but it's in that song and there's a there's a part in the like in the middle of the song after you know it's like you know the corner where jack waits in the shadows where it's the idea of her taking these victims to jack the ripper to Mm -hmm. and then it's uh here we go takes her and he takes her Originally, it just went to you. I didn't know he was going to kill her. If 
mm. I had, though, I still would have took her. And I was like, just going. But Brandon was like, can you do like a few bars of like a dance break in mm. the middle there? Like to do just like like a little like mini like dream ballet almost. Mm-hmm. And so and he takes her. And it's like, the, like very, and he said like he went like music box. Like at the end, and that chord is when like Jack like kills this, the first victim, yeah. and it's like, and I was like, in right, and I'm like, and, and I wrote like in the studio, like I just had like three just empty beats after that before the music comes back. When because I'm like, I want that, I want that that kill to just like be one of the most horrifying moments in the show, like because it's it's a show that's like a largely a zany. I mean, you saw it; mm-hmm. it's a zany comedy. Mm-hmm. And like, kind of becomes more dramatic as a show, yeah. but like, I wanted like that whole song and scene. Like, I wanted that to be horrifying. Like, I wanted mm-hmm. it to be like a horror moment of like, there's this character who basically like willingly, deliberately got all these people killed. Like, she's like, this is the only way I get like, this is the only way like I'm getting out of this shitty situation mm-hmm. I'm in. Like, it's the someone who you're tra- you're trapped in a job you hate, and like, there's no and then this guy comes like, I can get you out. I can get you, I can get you a much better deal, like, get you, so you never have to worry about this stuff again. All you have to do is just, you know, you know, take some, you pick a girl at the, at the brothel and take them to meet this guy. Like, no, no, there's any questions. And he's like, okay. And, but like, and, but the key line was like, yeah, like, as you heard me sing to the, I didn't, I didn't know he was going to kill her. If I had though, I still would have took her. And like, that's the moment like in my head where the song like clicked and it's like, like there. Now it's, it becomes her like. At the start, she's a kind of justifying what she did. Like, you know, you know, I, you know, what other choice did I have? You know, don't know what else choice I had. She literally sings like mm-hmm. one of the first lines. And then, and then, so then I was like, yeah, that, that ending, uh, the, and maybe I done him, maybe I done him a favor or two by setting him free from this horror, free from this horrible zoo. Cause even the girl who gets out of her debt back in society, what does she get? Back in society. That's like that's it. That's the the song building, yeah. building, building, and also a little fun thing from there. The hmm. it's the same figure. The, yeah, because it's like it's that like insanity building, building thing. I'm just like so the, the, the sometimes sometimes it's it's the oh it's it's clever. That's the way of like combining the themes. Sometimes it's just laziness to be like. <laughs> Well, what have I already written that I can right. use? Yeah, what do we have? There's a there's a very fine line between uh, motif between theme and and laziness. Um, if it's already there, though. Oh yeah. Copy and paste whatever you can, right? I mean, definitely a deliberate thing is there's Moriarty has the the running gag of when when he's introduced that it's like Moriarty. Yes. And so in Sad Life, when he goes to meet Moriarty, he's like Moriarty, and I was like. It would be super funny to do the yes, but like where she sings the yes and he just mouths it. Mm-hmm. And then of course you go, Moriarty. Yes. It's like, like little ways, like the, the audience might not like pick up on all these things, mm-hmm. but it's what I like about it is how is, and this, this is the, is, is the thing that, you know, I attribute to Jason Robert Brown. Cause mm-hmm. like my, I was going to say my holy trinity of like the big influences are Sondheim, Jason Robert Brown, and Alan Menken. Okay. And then also, you know, there's a lot of, like, Andrew Lippa, mm-hmm. there's some Lin-Manuel, uh, Janine Tesori, like, a lot of the, that, like, quasi-contemporary Adam Gettle mm-hmm. definitely also factors mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Maury Estin. But, like, but the Jason Robert Brown thing is because of a, like, a brain explode moment that I had. Like, driving driving home one day, and I was listening to Parade. Yeah. And you know how there's that opening what? that... And that comes out throughout the show. Like, I come up to my office and... Uh, and where were you saying... Yeah. But I was listening to the soundtrack one day. And, like, I'm driving home and I just, like, sit down in the and I was like... As it hit me, listen to it. Mm-hmm. All the wasted time. Yeah. All the million hours. It's like, yeah, it's like having that, like, peppered throughout the show that it's like... You don't even really think about it yeah. by the time it's there, but it, it unites the whole show. And it's in with how, like, the when he sings the Shema, like, right before mm-hmm. his death, it's Shema 
the old red hills of home. And it's just okay. like yeah. these little ways of just like, but it's like that kind of thing where I'm like, I love being able to use music like that to like have these little mm-hmm. motifs and themes that tie bits and pieces of the show together. It's like obviously it's nice to have break out and do some original stuff right. here and there, but I, I I'm a sucker for a good good motif. I think I can't remember who told me. Maybe Ryan Scarlatta. How many times in Jason Robert Brown songs you could put in Jason Robert Brown? Yep. He yeah. It's like I think I I can't find it in thirteen. Like I like I, I did like that's that's the show. I mean I know like in last five years the I don't I don't want you to hurt. Yeah. And then actually speaking of all the wasted time, uh, years on top of years. And in, it's in Robert Brown. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's like the songs for a new world theme. The, yeah, but it's I know it also appears in Another Life in Bridges of Madison County. I love that song. Yeah, because and like and there's a few times it pops up, but like I know early on there's a part with the guitar, like after one of the I think it's after maybe the first verse, it's like mm. does that, but then during the during the actual like final chorus you. Like it, 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 the piano definitely doesn't. It's like, like you son of a bitch. I see. I see what you're doing. He's <clears> just. <clears throat> oh, honeymoon in Vegas is the other one. I can't. I I couldn't hear. I didn't even it. know there was a musical of that. Oh yeah, no, yeah. It was Jason Robert Brown. It did do well. I'm gonna assume. I mean, it, <clears throat> sort yes and no. Like, I think it did okay. Like it ran because it was a uh, Tony Danza was the. <clears throat> it was like Rob McC- Rob McClure. Bryn O'Malley and Tony Danza, and like Tony Danza, like he's good in it. Like, is he really? Yeah, I mean, it's worth a listen. Like, I didn't it is. No, he could sing. <clears throat> Tony, oh, yeah, me closer, Tony Danza. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> um, but so, but yeah, like the, in that's the other score that I like, listen to. I'm like, I can't, as of yet, can't find the if he put that theme in there or not. Like, I don't know if he does it every show he writes, but in a number of shows he writes, he's yeah. he's he's gotten it in there. Um, I, I just need him to write better, older female <laughs> characters. Yeah. Not better, just older. Would be nice. Really, everybody. I'm going to give Sondheim a break, because he's dead. Um, but, I mean, he actually did write some good characters for older females. He's yeah. one of the few. I mean, I mean, speaking of Follies, like, Follies is a yeah. great example, because it's, it's, I mean, that's the whole show, is that these are... Like older, like older, mm-hmm. like vaudeville performers who are coming back and like remember. So like, there's the older shows and the younger versions. Yeah. Which also, I love that. I love the uh, "You're Gonna Love Tomorrow," mm-hmm. which is a because basically the last like 20, 30 minutes of the show is basically this like co- a collective nervous breakdown, <clears throat> where basically all these characters, all these chickens have come home to roost. All these secrets are coming out, yeah. and then there's this big argument, builds and builds and builds, builds, and just kind of the stage just dissolves into. The Follies, mm. um, and it's just like this thirty-minute string of song after song after song, like, and all four leads get a solo of some kind. Um, that's where you get losing my mind. Yeah, but the <clears throat> the way it happens. So first, you have the song "Love Land," where that's just like the ensemble number, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, then it's the the four younger selves, like, split off into their two pairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's like you're gonna love tomorrow. Slash Love Will See Us Through, I think is often what it's called, because it's two songs side by side, where it's the two couples, but it's like the, you're gonna love tomorrow, something like that, where it's, it's a nice little jam. It's Howard McGillen is one of the, I think is the young Ben in that production. And I think it's both the the original Mary and Frank from Merrily Roll Along might be the other couple. Okay. I don't remember who the other, I don't remember who the Sally is offhand, but... But it's this, but it's also like this, you know, quartet, this du- duet, duet, mm-hmm. essentially mm-hmm. between the youngsters, and then it goes into Buddy's Blues, which is this like very fast like patter thing. It's ma- I mean, the Mandy Patinkin version is great because it's Mandy yeah. Patinkin, and right. um, oh Mandy, <clears throat> you came and you gave, and it's and they actually even in the concert they they change how the numbers because in in the usual number there's the, the middle section where it's like it's like she said where because he, he it's like him singing about like the it's like the God why don't you love me blues. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's singing about first, uh, I think it's first he's singing about like his mistress and then about his wife. But like, in be- like he's like, there's the fast part and then there's the, like a slower, like, she says she really loves me. I love you. She's like, and it's like, there's like the, like a chorus girl, like yeah. that does the, 
Mandy Patinkin does it all by himself. Of course he does. So it's like, he's your idol. I love him! She says, and it, it really, there's a, it, it's it's a gag I love. Mm-hmm. That's like, it's a, it's like a blink and you miss a gag, but it's the, there's a part of like, I'm perfect, she swears. You're perfect, goddammit! <laughs> I'm like. Why is he so talented? <laughs> I just. Yeah, it's. <clears throat> I love me some Mandy. But it's, it's a, it's, it's so, I mean. That's so cool. There's a reason why, you know, Sondheim is, like, the. I mean, he's the god of, like, all musical theater. He really was. Rest in peace. Yeah. I say he still is. Okay. God's not dead. (laughs) Brian, I am so proud of you. I I love what you have done, and I can't wait to to see where this goes and get you working on this with companies all around, get you on Broadway. So congratulations. Thank you. And I've got, got various things, like, in the, on the back burner or just in the pipeline that I'm like dabbling in and yeah. trying to work on. Yeah. Well, cuz you know that we're all now waiting for. Oh yeah, that's the next one. that's the that's the biggest problem that now is like now that I've done it, you gotta I do have it to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and if I do it again, I have to at least meet Yeah. <laughs> that Sorry. show. You've set your bar, sir. Yeah. I mean it's that's the every every writer has to deal with that if you I mean the the sophomore slump, so to speak. It's like yeah. you, you might run into that like okay, because uh, yeah. <clears throat> the important thing, for, I think, more than anything, is like I don't, I don't want to just repeat it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would, I would love to repeat the success, mm-hmm. just not the actual work. Right. And so, like one of the things I'm working on right now is actually an adaptation of The Age of Innocence, the novel by Edith Wharton, which is one of my favorite books. Like okay. I, it's like, and I, I, I blame slash thank Grace Reinhardt for it because at the time I was living with her and Jack, mm-hmm. and there's a book she had on her bookshelf because it's one of her favorite books, mm-hmm. and just I was like. Looking for someone to read them, like, mind if I borrow this? Like, he's like, absolutely. Hmm. And I was reading it, and I get, like, halfway through the book, and I'm like, oh my god, like, I could see this as a musical. Hmm. And I looked it up, and there is some guy or another who's, like, had, like, their own, like, quasi-musical written. Like, I don't know if it's even licensed or whatever, or if it's finished, or what the deal is with that one. Like, there's, like, a few demos on their website or whatever. But I'm like, I'm writing a different version. Like, my mine is my own style. Like, okay. it's... Well, and that's excited. also been the challenge, is the style. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <clears throat> but keep going, keep oh, working. Yes. We're, we're amazingly proud of you. Thank you for coming mm. on. Oh, thank chat. you for having me. And you have your looking. own podcast, too. So where can people find you, your work, podcast? <clears throat> what are your um, links? I mean, you can find, I mean, find, out my, find my stuff on uh, brianhorn.com. H-O-R-N-E. Yeah, H-O-R-N-E. dot com. Uh, but I'm also, yeah, I'm a co-host on the Trash Watch podcast. Uh, I don't know why I'm looking at the microphone like it's a camera. It's it's not. <clears throat> I'm you doing can, a take. You might be just looking toward the heavens. Trash Watch. Trash Watch podcast. podcast. And, yeah, you can find us on basically on most major podcast places. Like, I know mm-hmm. we're on Apple, Buzzsprout, I think probably on Spotify, stuff like that. Cool. Yeah, Trash Watch podcast. Um, we just released our an episode... As of as of this record, which is Friday the twenty second, uh, we just released our episode on Jumanji from nineteen ninety five with Robin Williams. Which, but I, I feel like it's at this point we we've kind of doomed ourselves with the name of the show because originally it was like yeah you know, we're talking about bad movies, but then we we after we did our first season in twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. and most of those recordings are lost to time, thankfully. Uh, we've released the ones that we do have, which are like on like the Stupids, Tall Tale, and Sidekicks. Which are all fun episodes, yeah. Um, but we watch we we watch some. We we destroyed our souls a little bit mm-hmm. in that first season, but so now we we do movie, we do some bad movies and we do some movies that we really like. Jumanji was like one of those like freebie weeks. Like this is a movie yeah. we all love, yeah. People love, <clears throat> and it's just nice to like revisit Robin Williams at his yeah. best. Which is why next week we're doing The Island of Dr. Moreau, famous disaster starring Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando. Wasn't I, that, uh, what's his face's last movie? Mar- last. Yeah, I think Brando, yeah, Marlon Brando. I think it might have been one of one of his, not, if not oh, his I'm last. Of something else, huh? But it's like, yeah, it, it's like a famous disaster. Just like, there was like tons of behind the scenes, just like, huh. drama. Like, I think the director got fired halfway through. Like, it's, it's... Okay. By all accounts, like a mess, and then they put the movie out, and it's still like, I believe there's a documentary about the making of the movie <laughs> because like you it's it's one that. of those infamous disasters, and I am not looking forward to watching this. So yeah. I blame Chris Johnson, our co-host, because <laughs> he's the one who voiced this on us. But yes, you can find us 
Uh, you can email us at trashwatchpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at trashwatchpodcast, and we are on Twitter at trashwatchcast. Wow, I'm impressed. I have to say that every week. Oh, that's true. Because that, <laughs> I'm just like, we're on... Th- uh, mm, you can find our... <laughs> just Google it. It's out there somewhere. Yeah, we, we do our best, like... Chris, Chris at this point is the one who's taking up the mantle of doing, of generally putting together like the the video, like yeah. promo video clips. At this point, I'm the currently the editor. Oh, uh, yes. I may foist that on somebody else for a little bit yeah. because I'm just I need I need a break and I just to work on other stuff. But we'll see. I mean, we that's, don't even edit. That's what we do. <laughs> my 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 <laughs> so main job is. You regret. <laughs> my main job is to take two and a half hours of of conversation and like try to cut like at least 45 minutes out of yeah. it like because there's a lot of rambling and like right. I get that. stuff that's like yeah we eh, it's not interesting enough to keep but I get that. well cool well thank you again yes. and have fun keep working yay thanks thank for you. listening <laughs> thank you